a very good evening to you. And here we are once again, Friday evening, sweet and swing, H with you in Studio 3 to bring you an hour of some of the best. What have we got? How about being entertained by the Hammond organist Robin Richmond? We haven't had him for a while. More from our classic motoring music. Love, we did get our love in last week, I don't think, some this week. And to get us going, it looks like rain. Yes, I know. In Cherry Blossom Lane. Thank you. 
it looks like rain in Cherry Blossom Lane. And to be quite frank, pretty much everywhere else as well. However, it's, you know, we've had a little bit of sort of Indian summer. Are you allowed to say Indian summer anymore? I don't know, but you know what I mean. The nice warm weather at the back end of the year when you're not really expecting it, which is sort of lovely, but equally, I don't know about you, I sometimes think by the time I'm into October, I'm not wanting gales or constant rain, but cold days, fine. Um, a bit blustery, you don't mind. Leaves coming down, all the changes of the colours of the trees. I want autumnal weather, in other words, and maybe a cold night here and there. I'm, I'm sort of thinking, well, it's lovely to have it, don't get me wrong. I love to see the sunshine. But, yeah, OK, I, sometimes you think it's nice to have the weather of the season. And these days, they all are getting mixed up, aren't they? Whether that happens as you get older in your mind's eye and you think all the seasons were very seasonal when you were young, and now when you get older, they're not a seasonal. You get spring in summer and summer in autumn, autumn in winter and so on. I don't know, but uh, there we go. Spring. Oh, I think there's rain in Cherry Blossom Lane. Uh, one from our Jack Harris. Kept that one in the bag, actually. We played a bit of Jack Harris the other day, didn't we? Uh, on the vocals, Jack Cooper, uh, who replaced Sam Brown with Ambrose in the mid-1930s until uh, Sam returned after touring with Elsie Carlyle and the Rhythm Sisters. Uh, Jack Cooper, yet another one with a pseudonym. He wasn't actually Jack. He was actually Bert Cooper or Herbert Cooper. But Ambrose, uh, the band already had Bert himself, of course, wielding the baton. Bert Ambrose. You couldn't have two Berts in one band, could you? You'd be overburted, as they say. So, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, there was also Bert Barnes on the piano. So he was uh, quickly renamed and called Jack Cooper, because otherwise we'd have Bert burdened. Bert. Far too much. He started out with Tommy Kinsman in the 30s and then sang with uh, Jack Jackson, as we heard there, at the Dorchester Hotel and also went on to sing with Louis Levy and Fred Hartley and recorded with Joe Loss and Primo Scala and Jay Wilbur. And he was one of those ones who didn't go on. Again, you get some of these guys and girls who go on for years and years and years. Jack Cooper wasn't one of them. Something of a loner, it's reported, particularly in the Book of Words. And, uh, and an electronic engineer. So he sort of left singing, became a full-time electronic engineer and uh, married much later on in life. But not, sadly, a happy ending for him. It's, uh, it's noted in the Book of Words, British dance bands, singers and smaller bands. It says, sadly, he died a reclusive widower in a central London flat. That's a bit of a sad ending for someone with a, a lovely voice and such a great start in life, isn't it? But... There we are. Be warmed, as they say. I've got that old-fashioned love in my heart And there it shall always remain You're like that old ivy vine Cling a little closer all the time Through the years, joy and tears, just the same I've got that old-fashioned faith in my heart and there it shall always be although the land may change to see it will never make any change in me i've got that old-fashioned love in my heart <laughs> Thank you. 
just remain. You're like that old ivy vine, cling a little closer all the time. Through the years, joy and tears, just the same. I've got that old fashioned faith in my heart. And there it shall always be. Although the land may change to see, it will never make any change in me. I've got that old fashioned love in my You probably don't need me to tell you who that was. From our collection, what is this thing called Love Cool? Love songs of the 30s and 40s. Some wonderful numbers on there. I think I missed it out last week. Not on purpose, just, you know, old age and forgetfulness, I think, more than anything else. Uh, the Mills Brothers, of course. I've got that old-fashioned love. Uh, absolutely wonderful. I've always loved the Mills Brothers. I remember seeing them quite early doors. I think the old maestro must have played them to me and being amazed by those. Because it's all, there was a real guitar, but all the rest of it, the bomb the bass and the sort of the, the trumpets, it's all just voices. And occasionally you can close your eyes and almost, particularly with someone when they're all just saying, you can almost just think they're all just playing trumpets or cornets or you know, brass band instruments of some kind. Muted sort of sound. Wonderful uh, and great characters. And they went on for years and years and years. They changed, I think, personnel a few times. There were quite a few brothers, and I think one or two of them swapped around from memory, but went on for a goodly number of years and appeared on various films and had that wonderful close harmony sound with that instrumentation. All you needed was a guitar, and you're away. Terrific stuff. What is this thing called love? It really is a lovely selection on that one. If you see it on eBay, past perfect. You can pick it up and uh, wallow yourself in an hour or so of lovely lovey type music from the 30s and 40s and just about into the early 50s as well and we'll be dipping back into on the right road as well shortly classic motoring music don't know where this one came from i saw this when i was looking for stuff the other day and i thought lordy i don't know whether we ever played things off that and again an eclectic selection on that to say the least in the meantime um well we're going to head oh we'll head back to the 1930s again i think and something oh a little bit different do you know who this is Top marks if you do. Life seems so grand, what happened? 
So did you guess? Nice song, wasn't it? Yes. Say your mind. But who was playing it? So if you managed to come up with Willie Lewis and his orchestra, then top marks on that, because that indeed was who it was. Willie Lewis, born over in Texas in the early part of the 20th century, I think in the first five, ten years or so, and grew up in Dallas, played in variety shows in the teens, and then went to the New England Conservatory of Music and played in Will Marion Cook's Orchestra, and that was taken over by Sam Wooding. He travelled with him, touring through Europe and South America and North Africa, not bad, eh? And remained until Wooding disbanded the orchestra in the early 1930s. And then, following that, he set up his own band, as we just heard there, Willie Lewis and his entertainers, and featured some of Wooding's old players and played very successfully right the way across Europe, touring around there. And a few well-known names who played under Lewis, with Willie Lewis, who came to greater things. Herman Chitterson, maybe not. Benny Carter, definitely you might have heard of Benny Carter, if not Herman. Bill Coleman, definitely. Garnet Clark, a wonderful pianist there as well. Bommy Martin and June Cole. And they played, recorded on a French label quite a bit. And then in the early 40s, he disbanded the entertainers and returned to New York City. And then after that... He didn't do much in the way of music. Again, he seemed to have had his fill uh, and did a little bit of work as an actor. But um, then became a bartender as his uh, fortunes declined. Gosh, there's a couple of uh, couple of, sort of saddies there, isn't there? It wasn't a deliberate, I'm afraid. But as we all know, anything in the entertainment business, being acting or music, can be very fickle. Fame is an incredibly fickle thing. You can be there for a few years... And then if moods change and tastes change and customs change and people start listening to different things and they don't want your music anymore, yes, you you can just be dropped like that and disappear. And I'm afraid that pretty much happened to Willie. And that from yeah, having great success and touring the globe, really, with bands, and then became, yes, went into bartending in order to make ends meet. And that was more or less it. A little bit of jobbing acting work, but clearly didn't get a great deal out of that. And again, I don't think he died in a great deal of fame or fortune. Look at it as you will. He had his time in the sun, and I suppose that's all we can say, isn't it? You have your time in the sun, then you move on and make space for someone else. Ralph Sutton, he was a wonderful player. Again, someone who did grace these shores several times and actually came and stayed in Music Man Towers back in the day as well. Here he is from the wonderfully titled Bedroom Sessions. Hmm. No, I don't think I don't think we'll go there too closely. But here's a little medley, see what you can pick out of this.
Sunbonnet Sue, Sunbonnet Sue, sunshine and roses ran second to you. You looked so nice, I kissed you twice under your sunbonnet blue. It was only a kind of a kid kiss. But it tasted lots nicer than pie And the next thing I knew I was dead stuck on you When I was a kid so Look out, look out for Jimmy Valentine For he's a pal of mine A sentimental crook With a touch that lingers in his sand-papered fingers He can find the combination of your pocketbook Look out, look out For when you see his lantern shine That's the time to jump right up and shout Hello! He'd steal a horse and cart. He'd even steal a girlie's heart when Jimmy Valentine gets out. I'd buy up every schoolhouse in the nation, and I'd write upon the blackboard big and clear. Instead of one, there will be two vacations. Each vacation, six months, twice a year. And there wouldn't be no school when it was raining. I'd let you stay at home when it was fair. You'd have free soda fountains. Say I'd build you ice cream mountains. If I was a millionaire. How about that? Two medleys for the price of one. We've just heard, of course, Bing from our wonderful Bing collection we've been enjoying over the last uh, few weeks. And a medley from Sunbonnet Sue. If you remember Sunbonnet Sue, you're probably better than I do. A medley of Gus Edwards' Sunbonnet Sue with Sunbonnet Sue, Jimmy Valentine and if I was a millionaire. With the unmistakable voice of Bing, of course, and a bit of orchestral compliment and backing singers as well. Very nice. You could go into sweet or swing, that category. And before that, something a little bit different. A man who, again, as I say, no stranger to the Isle of Man. And again, he's one of those few, very few in that sort of little... Less than 10%, I think, of artists we feature here on Sweet and Swing who I actually met in the flesh. Ralph Sutton, the wonderful pianist who appeared on the Isle of Man on at least a couple of occasions, I think, in the 70s and 80s. 
there'll be someone there who'll correct me on that if it was more or less. But certainly, definitely once, maybe twice. Who knows? Maybe more. And uh, I certainly had the pleasure of uh, meeting him and hearing him with the old maestro back in the day and probably having breakfast and dinner with him because he almost certainly stayed with us as far as I recall. I'm sure there's a picture of him on our front garden path. Or was that Dick Wellstead? I don't know, I'll have to go back and look. <laughs> we had so many great players coming through the doors. You lose track after a while. The Ralph Sutton, uh, the bedroom sessions. Yeah, now I know, I know, you've probably been wondering why it is called the bedroom sessions. First off, the medley, it was uh, in a sentimental mood, and then you might have heard sophisticated lady, and then I let a song go out of my heart. Now then, why the bedroom sessions? Well, there's nothing salacious. I was just winding you up. Nothing salacious at all. The bedroom sessions actually came about when Ralph was touring in the UK in the mid-1990s and a gentleman called Nick Campaya, who was a, a sort of a musician and a journalist and musical producer and such like, I think. He um, hadn't met before he, uh, Ralph before, he said, but he approached him at a concert and said uh, he was wondering if he'd accept an unusual commission to make some private recordings on his Yamaha upright disc clavier. And if you don't know what the disc clavier is, it was one of, I think they're still knocking around, very expensive, very fine Yamaha pianos, which could record. So basically it just recorded anything you played straight onto uh, onto disc. And the more expensive ones, you could then play them back and the piano would play them back rather like uh, a, a 21st century upmarket digital pianola. If you get the uh, get the gists, you didn't do the pedals. It was all electric, of course, and it was all digital, so very accurate. It just recorded what you played. And uh, Nick Campaya, well, he had one of these uh, disc claviers in his bedroom of his London flat. Lucky man, both have a disc clavier and a London flat. Flat. Uh, he says, I don't know whether Ralph was intrigued, but to my delight, he did say yes. And a few days later, accompanied by my friends uh, and my dad, <laughs> Ralph was making music in my bedroom. A memorable afternoon of great piano and hilarious reminiscences. We did exactly the same when Ralph returned the following year. I doubt if my neighbours realised they were being serenaded by one of the world's greatest jazz pianists on those afternoons. And then he goes on to say, well, many people who listened to the recordings said they thought they deserved wider audience. So it was a question, he says, of finding a Yamaha Grand disc clavier on which to play back the discs acoustically and make a recording from them, as though Ralph were playing live. I'm extremely grateful to Simon Markson of Markson Pianos in London who had a Yamaha Grand Disc Clavier in stock and allowed free run of his showroom for us to make the recordings. And to Dave Bennett who used state-of-the-art portable equipment and his legendary expertise to produce the unique sound on the CD. The result, Ralph Sutton has never heard before. A special thanks to my dad, Dante Campaya, present in the bedroom for all his support and encouragement, encouragement while making the CD. It sounded good, didn't it? Just him sitting in the guy's bedroom playing a piano with a couple of friends around. Wonderful. I, I admire his courage as well by approaching a very well-known jazz pianist and saying, you fancy coming around my bedroom and just playing my piano and see what happens? The mind boggles, doesn't it? The mind's going to boggle on this next one as well. It is Sweet and Swing, H with you through until the top of the hour. Still to come, uh, we're going to join Robin Richmond, the Hammond Organist Entertains. We haven't heard him for a wee while, have we? Uh, music from Ensor, of course, and a Black British Swing as well. But before all that, something a little bit different and um, not entirely PC, it has to be said, at least the opening. I apologise in advance for the opening of this. It's not really seen as PC, perhaps, the comments made at the beginning of this, but it was made in 1926, you'll have to forgive it. Sidewalk Blues, Jelly Morton and his Red Hot Peppers on the right road. 
some classic motoring music. Hey, get out out of the way. What are you trying to do? Knock the streetcar off the track. You're so dumb, you should be the president of the Deaf and Dumb Society. I'm sorry, boss, but I got the sidewalk blue. Terrific and a bit of electronic buzz. I think that must be the transcription. Uh, it's not 
It's not the CD player here in uh, Studio 3 playing up. That's actually on the record recording itself, which must have come through when it's been transcribed from the original shellac, I'm guessing. Pretty clear, other than that buzz, they should have. They could rerun that and get rid of the buzz. It'd be much better, I must admit. But the recording otherwise is actually remarkably good when you consider it was made back in, what did I say, 1926. Jelly Roll Morton and his Red Hot Peppers. And uh, yes, I think the opening gambit with the... Uh, the definite, yes, you probably, that's not PC now, so don't repeat that, children, I think, in polite company. Uh, I think it might have been all right in 1926, but uh, probably best not to do that if you're uh, going out and repeating that somewhere else. Not really very PC or pleasant, is it? In any case, uh, in, at the time, I dare say that was OK, and it, they were great characters and great entertainers. And if you are feeling salacious, even though there wasn't any... Uh, <laughs> anything along those lines when it comes to the bedroom sessions, if you want a little bit of that sort of... Who were uh, Mrs. Look up why Jelly Roll was called Jelly Roll. I'll say no more. <laughs> Entertainment's National Service Association, ENSA, of course, and we've been enjoying some of their complete concerts on a great 
two CD collection. Another one worth checking out if you ever see it and you like this sort of stuff. It's very, very atmospheric, I think. It's, you know, you whack it on, I think, and sat in a darkened room and closed your eyes. You, you could sort of be there on a, on a half-decent stereo. It's, it's, you've got all the sounds and you, you sort of get a bit of the atmosphere and... You know, she was just a bit off mic there at the beginning, wasn't she? You can, just, you can picture it actually happening in probably less than ideal circumstances for performance, I think. And thinking of my blue eyes and being whooped up by the troops there, Eva Benyon and Curly Man. She was another glamour puss, I think, Eva Benyon, one way or another. Um, Wonderful pictures if you go and sort of look on uh, Wiki or look on some of the online sites. There's some great stuff there, a great picture taken from behind the entertainers of an ENSA concert party entertaining troops from the steps of a chateau in Normandy on the 26th of July, 1944. And then below that, the Glamour Girls. Yes, ENSA Glamour Girls distributing cigarettes and beer to troops in North Africa. Well, you know what? If you were fighting in North Africa, I think smoking and drinking was probably the last of your worries health-wise, wasn't it? The Glamour Girls, I have to say, they weren't in bikinis. They were in floral dresses and big floppy hats. <laughs> they weren't very glamorous, though, uh, nonetheless. Um, and some fascinating facts about it as well. Uh, how it was established back in 1939 at the beginning of the war by Basil Dean and Leslie Henson to provide the entertainment for British Armed Forces personnel during World War II and operated as part of the Navy, Army and Air Force Institutes and then was superseded, which I must say I didn't realise, I think, in the same way. So ENSA was superseded by the CSE, the Combined Services Entertainment, uh, which now operates, apparently, as part of the Services Sound and Vision Corporation, the SSVC. I think Hensa was the better name, really, SSVC. Well, it just means nothing, does it? And the very first big-time wartime uh, variety concert organised by Hensa was broadcast by the BBC to the Empire and local networks from RAF Hendon in North London on the 17th of October, so just about this time of year, 19. 19- 39, so that's what, 61, 71, 81, 84 years ago, something like that. Wow. And among the entertainers on that very first one, Adelaide Hall, the Western Brothers, and Mantovani, would you believe? And they did do. We're going to hang out our washing on the Siegfried line, of course. They had to do it, didn't they? Uh, it also notes in popular culture, despite many extremely talented entertainers working for Enter, the organisation was necessarily spread rather thin over the vast area it had to cover. Thus, many entertainments were somewhat substandard, and the popular translation of the acronym was Every Night Something Awful, or Something Atrocious, was it? One of the two, take your pick. I think it's a little unfair, as they say, when you think of how large an area they were trying to cover and how few people there were. It was probably potluck whether you got someone supremely talented or someone perhaps not quite so supremely talented. This man was uh, supremely talented on the Hammond organ. Now, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but we don't often do organ, do we? Robin Richmond, the Hammond organist, entertains. And uh, it's an evening for medleys because he's going to play a little medley as well. Lazy River, I hadn't anyone till you. Here we go.
Go. Told you that's a little bit different. The organist entertains as well he did. Robin Richmond. Do you remember him? Well, you might do if you've been a radio listener for a long time, not just to Max Radio. I know I know it's difficult to believe there are other channels you might listen to from time to time, but I know some people do, despite our best efforts. And so if you happen to listen to BBC Radio 2 back in the day, the organist entertains... 
first went out in April of 1969 and ran for quite a few years, you would have heard Robin Richmond introducing that programme because he hosted it. And his voice could also be heard sometimes on Housewives' Choice. I think that's going back even further, is it? Uh, he presented that, or at least he was uh, the producer of that, and I think he occasionally presented it for a number uh, of years. Playing there, the, like I said, the Hammond organ, he wasn't a... Um, he wasn't an early adopter of the Hammond organ. It's noted by Alan Ashton in Organ Times magazine that Robin Richmond could perhaps foresee the popularity of the versatile, pipeless Hammond organs when they first arrived in the UK. But by his own admission, and not a man to mince his words, he said the sound was bloody awful. <laughs> oh dear. However, the potential was there, he said, and... Uh, or at least as he found out, because people would use them in nightclubs and dance halls and restaurants. And then later on, as they grew in popularity, the ABC chain of cinemas purchased Hammond organs, which were temporarily installed in the cinemas which didn't have pipe organs. Of course, all the big cinemas had the organs, didn't they? They'd rise up through the floor, playing at the beginning and the intervals and such like. Ah, gone are the days. Wouldn't they be wonderful? I think a few still exist, don't they, here and there? Um, so they put these Hammond organs in the ABC cinema chain uh, in a bid to alleviate paying, it's all very crafty, full entertainment tax when screening epic road show presentations such as The Robe and South Pacific. The 30-minute organ prelude entitled the cinemas to a reduction based on the fact that there was live entertainment. Not bad, eh? That's pretty crafty, isn't it? Oh, very crafty indeed. Uh, a great picture on the front of him there sitting at a grand, massive, white Hammond organ. And uh, he's dressed in white as well, white tails and white shoes. Everything's white, apart from a rose, I think it is, in his breast pocket. And he's sort of turned towards the camera, but it looks for all the world he's got dark hair with a matching black tash, but it looks like he's got black eyeshadow on as well, which he might have had. I don't know, maybe it was to do with the lights to to make him stand out a bit, but uh, wonderful picture on the front of that one. Robin Richmond, the Hammond organist, entertains. Can't go wrong, as they say. Moonlight Becomes You? Man, it might well do at this time of the year. The Songs of Jimmy Van Heusen. That's another one we've been dipping into from time to time. How about a sleigh ride in July? Well, we're sort of neither, really, are we? We're heading towards sleigh ride time, but we're a bit beyond July, so it's uh, in between. Dinah Shaw. the type to play around it wouldn't be so bad but I didn't know my way around and what a time I had I was taken for a sleigh ride in Mockingbird was whistling a sentimental tune, and I didn't know enough to come in out of the moonlight. So the big romance was only made.
never been on a sleigh ride, have you? It's very popular these days. I have a couple of friends going out to Lapland this Christmas for sleigh rides and taking their children to see Father Christmas and all the rest of it. Uh, I suspect it's peak season at this time of the year, and not so much, I dare say, in July. Dinah Shaw uh, with that Jimmy Van Heusen number. We've been dipping into this one as well. Moonlight Becomes You, the songs of Jimmy Van Heusen. And, of course, as we said, it was not his real name, Edward Chester Babcock, which I think is a fine name in itself in many ways. Born, like I said, in 1913 and had a wonderful musical talent from a very early age to Jimmy and went on to make the very most of it. Studied voice under Howard, one of my namesakes, Howard Lyman, and wrote songs for college shows and uh, met up with Jerry Arlen as well and Harold Arlen in the early 1930s. We'll finish off with the last of our selection of uh, Black British Swing. Really enjoyed this one from the collection of the British Library National Sound Archive. Some wonderful bands. And we're going to finish off with our uh, selection from that with a bit more from Ken Johnson, Ken Snakeip Johnson's rhythm section. And a good old goodie, as the old maestro might have said, Sweet Georgia Brown. <laughs> Thank you. 
course, be back. Same time, same place, next week. Don't go anywhere. Have a safe week, look after yourselves, and we'll see you then. And I'll leave Ken Johnson's rhythm section to finish off. Cheerio. Cheerio.